Today, President Trump releases his Opening Up America guidelines. We will get into the different phases of that. Also, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer says abortions are life-sustaining. Hmm. We'll try to work out that calculation uh, in our heads. We've got a lot to get into, and it starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I'm Sarah Gonzalez. Today joined by conservative commentator Grant Stinchfield. Two days in a row. I love being here two days in a row. Me too. I got nothing else to do. (laughs) So, like everybody else. Neither do any of us. So thanks for being here. You're welcome. I'll take what I can get. It gets me out of the house. Thanks, Grant. (laughs) We've also got theblaze.com's own Aaron Colon. Thanks for being here as well. Is this your, you're just here because you also need to get out of the house? Well, this is my job, so I'm here one way or another. It's and he true. dressed up. You see that? He did dress up. Casual Friday, you know. You guys are all, you're kind of, you have a theme going on with the shirt pattern and the tie pattern. Well, we try to coordinate well for the cameras. What is that called? Paisley? Paisley. Paisley. I'm trying to do real clothes at least like once or twice a week because the pajamas Same. totally hide whether I'm getting fat or not. <laughs> well, I, well, I'm getting fat no matter what. Uh, that's the next for a good reason. That's true. For a good reason. But yeah, I know yesterday I was like T-shirt. So today I thought, I guess I'll dress for work today. Whatever. <laughs> uh, all right. President Trump is releasing his new or I should say has released yesterday his new opening up America guidelines. Uh, it's in three different phases. So phase one, just to kind of hit the high points here really quickly, phase one is uh, for states and regions that satisfy the gating criteria, individuals uh, should continue to shelter in place if you are vulnerable. Members of households with vulnerable residents should be aware that returning to work uh, where they can't social distance, they may be bringing pathogens home to their families. Um, All individuals when in public should maximize physical distance. Uh, It says don't. Don't get together with more than 10 people. Uh, minimize non-essential travel and adhere to CDC guidelines. Employers continue to uh, to encourage telework, if possible, return to, to work in phases. Minimize non-essential travel and so on and so forth. Uh, large venues can operate under strict physical distancing protocols, which will be very interesting to see how that happens. At, for instance, you know, a, a theater. Uh, how, sell like half the house. Yeah. How so? Like how many people you'd have to sit next or uh, uh, you know uh, far apart? How mm-hmm. many seats do you have to leave open? Right. And how do you do that in a theater when you've got families who are going together who can sit together? Right. So how do you reserve certain seats and leave enough room? It'll be interesting to see how that happens. Uh, phase two is for states and regions with no evidence of a rebound and that satisfy the gating criteria a second time. I'm not sure that there are any states or regions right now that fit that criteria. No evidence of a rebound. I'm to understand that we're all to expect that there will be some sort of rebound once we start going back to work. Yeah, and I think that's why they structure it that way. They make you meet this first 14-day criteria, and then if things don't bounce back with that right. wave, they give you the, the requirement to pump the brakes so that we don't just spiral out of control. So I think it's really a smart way to do it because it's saying we're going to try this, And if anything seems to get out of control, we'll pull it back for a second and then we'll try it again. And it just does these two-week increments that I think places like maybe Texas or places in the Midwest that are not being hit as hard have a real chance to get things going again. And then places like New York, which are in a much worse situation, they can do it at their own pace as well. 
but it doesn't really endanger anybody. It's not reckless in the way that some people are accusing mm -hmm. the president of being with this. Now, Grant, uh, schools in phase one, mm -hmm. uh, as we just said, no one's ready for phase two yet, right? We're all starting at phase one. Phase one, schools are closed. Visits to senior living facilities still should be prohibited. Uh, gyms can open if they adhere to very strict sanitation guidelines and so forth. And this is phase one or two? The phase gyms. one. Phase one. That's, uh, a, bars, that's important to me, by the way. Bar, the yes, I know. Me as crazy. well. Uh, but, yeah. Same. Uh, bars should also remain closed. That's also closed. very important to me. Is when, let's get those closed, back open. Yeah. Let me just say, though, <laughs> school opening, top of my list. Need my kid going back to school, although I know he's not going back to school. At this point, there's no way they're going back to school. It ends in May. So at this point, we've got them through, what, August, September. God bless you parents out there. We're going to get through it together somehow. Grant, what are your thoughts on uh, phase one where, you know, we're all starting at phase one. All of these things are still closed and prohibited. So, look, I think we should have been in phase one from the very start of this and let the states decide what's right for them. We took the New York City model and spread that straight across the country. I think it was a, a bad move. Um, I think there is something to be said for making sure that those in the nursing homes are sheltered in place. It looks like there's evidence now that 57 percent of all corona related deaths globally mm -hmm. were inside of nursing homes. So you take that and put them in place instead of shutting down an entire economy, um, you're going to minimize the amount of, of deaths. And I would ask, how many lives are being lost while we shelter in place? How many diagnoses of cancer are being undiagnosed because you're not going to the doctors? You've got liver and heart disease, diabetes, kidney disease. How much of that is not is not being noticed or detected because people are staying home? There's an, another cost here that's not being measured. And so I think we should have been in phase one from the very start. Yeah, and the problem with having done what we did at first and now trying to do this gradual thing is that people's expectations are in a different place. And so now when these rebounds do inevitably happen in some places, people are going to be panicked because a lot of people have this expectation that when things open up, it's going to be because there's no danger at all. And that was never going to be the case. And so now we're fighting against the expe expectations of people and trying to control their reaction when you see a little bit of a spike in cases because you open up some businesses. No matter if we do this now or if we do this in December, that's going to happen. And people have to understand that about the way that we're going to roll things back out. That is a really great point because I feel like we are living in a society and now maybe some of this we can put on the mainstream media for not properly uh, reporting why we're actually supposed to be doing this, which was to slow the, the hospitals overload, right? Mm -hmm. To make sure that the hospitals didn't get overwhelmed, not to make sure that you are not sick with disease. And I think that that's the real problem that at least that I'm seeing within the American public is that we are so scared of a disease that we don't have a vaccine for, or that we don't have a cure for, uh, that we just don't know what to do with ourselves. And it's like we're getting to this point in society where Western medicine is so advanced, we think somehow we're going to live without getting a disease or a virus ever again. And it just couldn't be farther from the truth. Yeah, there was never any way to prevent people from being exposed to it. It's, right. It was about when they get exposed and will they have access to the treatment. And so over the long term, we're probably still going to see a large amount of, unfortunately, cases and deaths from this, but hopefully we can minimize some of those because they can get to the hospital, they can have a ventilator, they can get what they need. But, but uh, go, ahead, go for it. I mean, I'm, I'm still really not on board with all of this as of yet. No, you know, and, you, and you, I'm not you, saying I am. I'm just saying the, at least understand the reasoning behind it. Uh, and and right? the reasoning, I think, was flawed. So yeah. there is a hospital crisis in America today due to COVID. 
and it's not overwhelmed hospitals, it's empty hospitals. Mm -hmm. There are hospitals everywhere across this country that are going to go out of business because they're not doing elective surgeries. People are not going to see the doctor. They're not overwhelmed like New York City is overwhelmed. You, you look at, at New York City. They said there was a ventilator crisis there. And what happened? Every hospital that was asked, do you need ventilators? What do they do? They did what typical liberals do. Of course yes, we need ventilators. Of course they, we they do. They said they needed 40,000 ventilators. Well, they didn't need close to that many. And so what happened? The media jumped on board. They sensationalized this whole thing. And now, as you said, Aaron, people are scared. But what I want to tell people is not everyone needs to be scared as somebody else. If you're in a nursing home, I understand why you're scared. Mm -hmm. If you're over 65, 70 years old with an underlying condition, I get you're scared. I'm 51 years old. I'm in great shape. You know what? I'm not scared. Bring Corona on. I'll get sick a little bit and I'll, I'll recover. And to your point about the empty hospitals, I think there's an argument to be made that we could have done a lot of the social distancing or the precautions without canceling every other hospital procedure mm -hmm. to where now places are closing because they're having to lay off people because nobody can come in to get physicals or surgeries that aren't life-threatening and things like that. I don't think we had to do that. And so I hope one of the first things that happens is that hospitals start opening up these elective procedures again because people do need to, you know, preventative care and physicals and things like that to catch cancer or whatever. There's no reason to be holding that off. You can still socially distance and do whatever precautions you need to while doing that and not crippling all these hospitals. I think well, Governor Abbott opened up elective surgeries in his statement today. And phase one of President Trump's plan, elective surgeries can resume uh, on an outpatient and inpatient basis at facilities that adhere to the guidelines. So they will be uh, opening that back up. I want to I go back to the senior care facilities for a moment because I do find that to be uh, a sticky situation, at least in my head, hoping you guys can, can help me figure this one out. Um, do you think that they should be restricted from leaving? Should they be quarantined? Because I look at that situation and I'm like, if I signed up to live in a senior care facility, I mean, there are plenty of retirement communities where the people are well enough to go to the store, to go out, to go do things. They just want to live with other people and, you know, get the, the socialization aspect. Do they, are they somehow, like, do they have to have their freedoms restricted because they live in a community? So, because that's, I feel like that's what we're all telling them is, well, sorry, champ, you decided to go live in the retirement community and now you have no choice but to quarantine with the rest of them. And I have a hard time accepting that for people who want to go out and live their lives at that age. All right, so when we take assisted living facilities, nursing homes, whatever, you're in there. I don't think you can restrict somebody from leaving, all right? We live in America, we have freedom of movement. Because there are a lot of people at risk in there, what you can restrict is when you come back, if you decide to leave, if they let you back in, you're gonna have to go into quarantine for 14 days. But you're I mean, not, if they let you back in, you're, they, you're paying to live there, right? Well, then so. you shouldn't be charged if they're not gonna let you back in. But if you choose to leave, which you have a right to leave, Look, Milton Freeman said regulation should only come into play when there are two or more people in the deal, and one of those people do not have a say in the deal, mm -hmm. all right? The other lady who's 80 years old with, with kidney problems doesn't have a say if I'm 80 and I decide to leave and, and go to the grocery store and come back. She doesn't have a say in the deal. No. That's where you need regulation. And so you don't want to put those large people uh, uh, at risk. If you decide to leave the nursing home, once you come back in, the only way to keep it out is to put those people into quarantine. Otherwise, you, you can't leave. Okay, so, but what if you did the reverse and instead of keeping the people who were doing everything that they were doing normally, 
they continued to do that, you put the people who decided, no, I don't want to participate. I would like to quarantine because I'm too scared that I'm going to get a certain pathogen. And then you quarantine those people. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the logistically how hard that would work for a nursing home. But that's why I'm having a problem figuring out is who is who is the person who is responsible for taking one for the team? You know what I mean? Is it the person? Remember, when you're in a nursing home, it's not really like your private house. I I understand. I mean, just like an apartment complex, like an apartment complex. And, you know, it was crazy for me to learn that in Florida, under emergency procedures and, and disaster guidelines, that an apartment complex can decide who you have visit you in your own apartment. Now, that's only during an emergency declaration. Well, they got one. So they can decide who comes and goes. I've got a big problem with that. I rent, you know, if I rent an apartment there, I should be able to decide who comes and goes. Right. It's the same situation with the nursing home. You have very hard decisions yeah. to make. Yeah. yeah, I think with the level of risk that's involved, and we've seen how deadly it is when it spreads through a nursing home community, that you do have to limit who can come in. Visitors, if somebody does leave and do whatever, you can't account for that. There may have to be some sort of additional protocol for them, whether they get in or whether they have to be isolated once they get in. But we've seen, like that statue said, 57%. I mean, when, when this thing gets in a nursing home, it runs through it at such a high percentage of mm-hmm. fatality rate that you can't just, you can't ignore that. And even if that does, I know that does seem kind of like maybe you're limiting people's freedoms, but I think it's reasonable to say we can control people who come into the situation uh-huh. and if you choose to come out you're assuming that risk and you're assuming the idea that if you come back you may not have the same level of movement that you had when you were so in So if this were at a larger scale in the general population you would be for restricting everyone's movement. I think that's my question. Yeah, that's right? A, so why so why, why are the Okay, but then why the nursing home people? Because what I'm saying is if this was a larger scale and it affected everyone. Well, yeah, but you can go to your own house. So so my neighbor has a choice of whether he wants to walk into my house or not. You've got a choice. Well, right, but I'm not talking about houses. I'm talking about the equivalent. So an apartment complex with with regular aged people, right? Any sort of common uh, living situation. Do, do you understand yeah, my point? I don't like, know if I, there's, I there's a cafeteria a where they're all eating together, and I don't know if there are people who are wheeled around the hall. I mean, I mean, I my assumption a, would be that they would stop those particular situations while a pandemic was going on and deliver food to the to the individual rooms. But look, uh, you know, it's, I, it's just, I, it's I think just it's, a thought I, exercise. I, mean, I think it's, it's, just I think it's fair to about. say if you're looking at like a private nursing home that that business should be able to make that decision on how they regulate it, and the residents have agreed to whatever the terms of that business are. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess it becomes a different thing if you're saying the government is telling people where to go and where not to go. Right. But hopefully the people running these nursing homes would make the decision that's best for their residents. And we know overwhelmingly the residents of the nursing homes are much more at risk than residents of an apartment complex. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. When we come back, let's see. What do we have coming up? Uh, We've got, oh, Grant, I picked this just for you. New Chinese regulations are locking down medical supplies meant for the United States. I'm just doing this thing where I try to see uh, if I can make Grant's head explode. <laughs> it worked yesterday. <laughs> At any given point in the show, that's what uh, that's what we're doing here today. So we will get into that. Uh, but I want to thank our sponsor, Rough Greens, before we do. So Rough Greens, um, Rough Greens is there for those of you who maybe are like me and you love to uh, spoil your dog. You love your you love your dog, and that's probably why you spend so much on their food. And you're thinking that you are giving them the best of the best of the best because you're spending so much on their food. Well, let me tell you, if you're getting them dry dog food uh, that has a you know two to three year shelf life, which is great 
for storage purposes, but not great for health purposes. Because in order to get that shelf life, they've got to go through and sanitize everything, uh, you know, take all of the nutrients out, the enzymes, the good stuff that your dog is supposed to be getting in order to thrive. They're taking that out of the food to make it, uh, you know, get a two to three year shelf life. So Rough Greens, that's where Rough Greens comes in. It is not a dog food. It's a supplement that you put on top of that dry dog food that you are giving your dog. It is going to put all the nutrients back into the food to make sure that your dog thrives. You've got probiotics, enzymes, vitamins, healthy microbacteria. Uh, our dog, she's a Doberman. She's very young, but she, I don't know if it's the breed or what, but like she never really wants to eat that much. She, I'm like, it, your, I, your, your breakfast has been sitting there since 8 a.m. It's noon. Finish your darn food. She never wants to finish it until we put rough greens on it, and she gobbles it right up. I know uh, Glenn and Stu have also had similar results with their dogs. They love it. And it's so, so good for them. If you care about your dog, you want to see them thrive, you got to go to roughgreens.com. Take the Rough Greens 14-day Jumpstart Challenge. It is only $14.95. And you will see the difference in your dog in 14 days or less. We did. You can, too. That is ruffgreens.com slash blaze. All right, new regulations on exporting goods from China are delaying much-needed medical supplies from getting to the United States. So Beijing placed new restrictions on medical supplies going out of the country earlier this month. Uh, they say it's to ensure the quality of each unit. But um, apparently the new regulations have, quote, disrupted established supply chain chains for medical products just as these products were most needed for the global response to COVID-19. Obviously, China is a huge supplier of things like PPE, uh, personal protective equipment. They supply 43% of the world's imports, which honestly, just if you think about that, it's like, how how have we let China become the top supplier of things that are so important for other countries when you know what kind of a player China is? But... (laughs) Whatever the case may be, that is the truth. China supplies 43% of the world's imports of PPE. uh, And now all of a sudden, they are locking down medical supplies and uh, their regulations are tightening up at the same time that we are feeling the effects from a virus that started from them. From them. So to me, this is anti-human, but that's no surprise from China, which has an anti-human, anti-human rights government Mm -hmm. and the Communist Party. Um, Look. I've been trying to source, as I've said on this program, for the last two, three weeks now, source products from China. Every night, I'm on the phone with somebody over there trying to get product back to the United States. It is an understatement when I tell you it is the Wild West. And the criminality of what's going on in China is you have the Chinese government that is now controlling what the manufacturers make, how much they should charge for it, who they can send it to. That is not a free market. So now what's happening is anybody that shows up there with a briefcase full of cash gets the order. So I can take my client, a hospital system, and place an order for gowns. And that's what they need right now really badly are are these isolation gowns. I can place an order for 50,000, 100,000, 2 million gowns. Guy walks into the hospital with a, with a briefcase full of cash. My order is out the window and they're going out. I mean, they're not doing business like normal, honest people do business here. The large majority of Americans do business. And so what's happening is we are hurting. 
Is this all by design? I don't know. I don't have any evidence that it's that it's 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 China out to hurt us. But certainly they have the motivation to hurt us. They have the motivation to put the boot of China on our throats. They've got the motivation to kick us in the teeth. And everything I see coming out of China is them doing all three of those things to America because of a virus. It covered up. Mm. It knowingly covered up the spread of this virus, how dangerous this virus was. And so now who's hurting the most? America. And I promise you, China is gloating over this, and they should be ashamed of themselves. Right. There's no reason to interpret anything they do as being something that's honest or in good faith. And even the stuff that they were sending out, there are stories from all over the world of them sending masks that don't work and them sending ventilators that don't work. And so every time I would see that you know, a state got a shipment of things from China, I'd be, I'd be wondering in the back of my mind, does that even work? How's that going to work out? Which, and honestly, so, can, we, can we be fair, though? Like, it shouldn't come as a shock that something that's made in China doesn't work. Right, and right? It, but it's just so alarming to see in this situation <laughs> where we are so vulnerable. And, you know, because in good times, you just kind of gloss over that stuff and you're like, well, it's cheap or it's convenient, so mm-hmm. we can just keep this arrangement going. And now when we're in our this desperate situation where lives are on the line, it's so alarming to see how dependent we are on something so unreliable from people who don't have our best interests in mind. If there's a silver lining of all of this, surely this has got to be it, right? The United States has got to finally realize we cannot continue getting all of our important you, you hope goods. so, but you, you wonder when things are good again, do people kind of drift back toward what might be convenient? You know, you, you do hope for that change. Though. I'm working with a Dallas-based company that was supplying shirts, and they were doing fashionable women's blouses. Well, that business obviously tanks right now. Yeah. They have now started to make isolation gowns. The problem is it's very difficult to get the material. They're charging $7.50, $8, $8.50, $9 for an isolation gown that we used to buy from China for $1.40 that now China's charging $6 for, mm-hmm. right? So but at least there are American companies coming to the rescue. But I think this should serve as a reminder to everybody as we come upon the 2020 election. Who caused this problem? Certainly bureaucrats from the Republican Party and Democratic Party have some, some culpability in this, but overwhelmingly. The Democrats are at the top of the line and the head of the line in this. You had Barack Obama and Beijing Biden pushing China like it was no tomorrow. And they're the ones responsible for us being so reliant on them. What does President Trump do when he comes into office? He pushes back. Well, China's getting the last laugh now as, as you know, they just slam us. And will us. Biden have to answer for this as he goes through this campaign? Is he going to get asked about that in any of these interviews? I mean, that's the question. It's going to be up to Trump to bring it up when we get to the point of debates. Mm-hmm. Aaron, I think I saw, I think I saw that this was written by you at theblaze.com that China just came out and added a About 1,200, few, more, yeah, few more deaths to their total number of uh, COVID-19 cases. Right, which you see that and it's like, you, you probably think they're just covering like, well, we'll just add these 1,200 more on when it's probably 40,000 more on. So you can't trust any numbers out of there. Everything out of there has been shifting and deception. And I don't know if we'll ever really know the scope of what's happened over there. And it's probably still going on and it's just being covered up. It's difficult, too, because, you know, you would think that an organization like uh, The Who, the WHO, would be the ones to be able to police and monitor that situation. But as we've seen here in the last, you know, three weeks, month, the WHO does not have anyone else's back but China's. The WHO, the World Health Organization, is a co-conspirator in all of this. Uh, I think that's one of the phrases that I think it was Tom Cotton, Senator Tom Cotton, used. Uh, Co-conspirator is a good word because it was a crime perpetrated against the world when it comes to this disease. And the WHO covered this nonsense up. And so did the mainstream media here. Look, 
CNN just ran an article, I don't know if you saw this, that, that said the Chinese Navy is doing a better job at handling COVID-19 on its warships than the United States Navy is. You know where they got their information from? China. The Chinese Liberation <laughs> Army. Oh, my God. Okay? It was a press release issued by China's Navy. That's what CNN reports on. Wow. So that's what we're up No matter against. what your bias is, it's unbelievable that you would look at information coming straight from China and just take it at face value because you're just setting yourself up to be embarrassed by how wrong that turns out to be later. Well, but see, but that's, that's my question is will they, will they get embarrassed because the Americans who are currently listening to places like CNN who are still putting stock in what CNN has to say, are they ever going to recognize that this is the garbage that they're getting. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I've, I've been doing some research on this and it is actually hard to find information about the cover-ups that China has been doing, whether it's you know, making doctors disappear or fudging the numbers or whatever. It, it's, it's a little bit harder to find that information. But you do see, you, know, you remember some of those articles from before, like, look how China shut down their, their outbreak. Some of those have kind of disappeared and people try to, the outlets try to act like, well, we had this the whole time. So there probably is not enough accountability on that, but we just try to get it out there. Yeah, it's just frustrating when you see things like, uh, I think it was yesterday, Grant, when we were talking about, uh, you know, now there's a new report that's come out in mainstream media. I believe Fox News was the first in mainstream media to report on, you know, the fact that, hey, this there's a lot of evidence to suggest that this did come from the lab that was in Wuhan. And it's just frustrating because, you know, here at The Blaze, we reported on that a long time ago. We were the, one of the first ones to actually do the research. Back and in the look day the when facts. it was a right-wing conspiracy. Yes, yeah. and that's what's frustrating to me is that it still feels like in America there's still this underlying idea that unless a mainstream media source covers something, it's a conspiracy, right? It's, it's just a conspiracy theory. It's already been debunked, even if it's never been debunked. And no one wants to pay attention to it, except for you, viewers, because you're smart, uh, until a mainstream media outlet picks it up. But I'm like, but if all the mainstream media outlets are garbage... Then what does it matter? And if they a lot of that is because they control the perception. Because when something comes out early, they have the ability to to marginalize when it comes from the blaze or when it comes from somewhere that's not a mainstream right. outlet. And then even when it changes, they just pretend like they had it the whole time. So mm. they're they're able to control the way people view it. Yeah, Grant, last word. Would you look at the evidence against China? And it may be circumstantial evidence, but it's still evidence the same. Uh, of what happened inside that lab, the person that got out of that lab, giving it to his boyfriend, that the lab exists there, that they didn't shut down travel from Wuhan to other countries when they were shutting down situations in the rest of their own country. A reasonable person says you can ask the question about whether or not it originated there or not. And unfortunately, even Fox News, the left doesn't even look at that as, as a credible outlet. So I still hear from liberals that are saying this is still a conspiracy theory when the evidence is growing. It's no longer a conspiracy theory. It's like, hey, let's ask the questions and get to the bottom of it. Right. Huh. That's been a long time since we've yeah. tried to do that, Grant. Uh, all right, coming up, Michigan Democrat Governor Gretchen Whitmer wants to tell everyone that abortions are, those are essential, essential procedures because abortions are life-sustaining. Yeah, your head's going to explode. Uh, first, we want to thank our sponsor. It's a new sponsor to the show, the Classic Learning Test, also referred to as the CLT exam. Now, uh, it would have been impossible, even as recent as a few months ago, to imagine a scenario in which SAT or ACT would, I don't know, cancel all of their tests for the spring. 
So under different circumstances, this would be a dream come true for CLT because they'd be looking to challenge their two competitors. Obviously, no company wants their big break to come as a result of an international pandemic. However, CLT has already been preparing a solution for years. Rather than canceling any tests due to COVID-19, CLT has actually tripled their testing dates available for this spring. Most importantly, they are making the CLT available to students via remote proctoring at home. Uh, they've been developing and piloting this technology for nearly a year. Their initial plan was to utilize remote proctoring as an option for students living in really rural areas, but they are really excited to make it available to all students with the current pandemic going on. Uh, bet you didn't know that you actually had CLT as a third option. A lot of colleges are now looking at CLT as a solution. The exams are taken online in just two hours. You've also got same day results, which is huge when you're the student who's taking the test and you're like, I need to know what I made. You don't wanna wait weeks for that result. Uh, it's been used by tens of thousands of students and hundreds of colleges. It provides the most accurate and rigorous measure of academic formation, accomplishment, and potential. You gotta register for the April 25th official college entrance exam or April 29th CLT's uh, alternative to the PSAT. You can go to cltexam.com. Both of these, again, you can take it during the pandemic in the comfort of your own home. That is cltexam.com. Michigan Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer uh, said during an interview yesterday that abortion services needed to be provided during the COVID-19 pandemic because they are, quote, life-sustaining. Now she was talking to David Axelrod, who, believe it or not, actually has a podcast, uh, in case you care to listen to it. I don't. <laughs> All right, good. I didn't think so. But, uh, you know, there has been this ongoing debate on uh, abortion services because there are a lot of states who are trying to keep abortion services open. We just went over phase one, phase two of President Trump's opening up America guidelines. Um, one of them is that uh, election elective surgeries are to come back because elective surgeries have been shut down, as we talked about in the hospitals. Well, abortion services, a lot of states and a lot of liberals have argued that abortion services should be considered essential. They should remain open. Uh, and Gretchen Whitmer just said uh, that uh, they stopped elective surgeries in Michigan. And she said some people have tried to say that the type of a procedure is considered the same and that's ridiculous. You know, a woman's health care, her whole future, her ability to decide, to decide if and when she starts a family is not an election. It is a fundamental to her life. It is life-sustaining, and it's something that government should not be getting in the middle of. Now, it's interesting to me to say that abortion is not an elective surgery. It's just fundamentally life-sustaining. Because if I seem to understand abortion correctly, it actually, the goal of the procedure is to terminate a life 100% of the time. I'm here to tell you, you are 100% correct. Okay. <laughs> just wanted to make Your sure I had opinion. that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So don't question yourself. You're okay. spot on. All right. Yes. All right. Good. I know she, she makes it very confusing. Yes. When you say, well, this care. is about life, but you're ending it. Mm -hmm. But she says it's 
Look, she has a long history of violating people's civil liberties. Look what's going on across her whole country. Why would you be surprised that she's going to violate the civil liberties of a young child in the baby's womb? Mm. This is what she does. And it's not about COVID. It's not about keeping people safe. It's about pushing a political agenda. And it always amazed me, all right? I've got friends who are pro-choice. I'm staunch pro-life. You can have a debate about it. But nobody should want to push the destruction of a fetus. I don't even think my liberal friends who are pro-choice want to push the destruction of a fetus. What it sounds like to me is that's exactly what she wants to push. She wants abortions. Who in the world wants abortions? It, it just stands out so much when you're talking about we're doing all of this so we can save X number of thousands of lives. And then on the same same sentence you can be like well we need to have these abortions because if women can't kill their babies you know like it doesn't make any sense but you get to go on these podcasts with david axelrod and i bet he didn't push back and say well wait a minute what about the baby you know nobody's going to push back on that mm -hmm. and so we we have the argument on their terms you know pro-choice it starts with the choice of yes you want to have the choice of whether or not to have a baby that choice should start before you're pregnant once you're pregnant you're not the only one involved in that choice and so we start the argument on their terms like it's an individual choice up to nine months through the pregnancy and it's not and until we can turn this thing and really get people to answer for the fact that there's another life involved we're always going to hear these ridiculous contradictory comments from people in power saying every woman should have the choice to get this essential health care and it's just ridiculous well i do see you know you see the 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 way that they so insidiously change the narrative right they say a woman's health care they say reproductive health care um, and so they use these particular phrases to just kind of mask what it actually is that they're doing because as i well you are not women, so let me just tell you, uh, women's health care, I go every year to my female doctor. Um, it, no abortions are included in that actual doctor's no. appointment, and I get all the women's health care that I need sans the abortion. Isn't that crazy? It's good you said it, because I wouldn't be allowed to say something. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Well, I still get slammed for it. But Grant, you know, you mentioned that uh, there are these particular people in power who make these uh, crazy claims and just go so radical to the left when you're talking about abortion. But I kind of see it as a blessing in disguise because it's not just people like Gretchen Whitmer. There is this kind of growing, um, I don't think that they're the majority by any means, but there is, at least you could say they're becoming louder, uh, this, this group that continues to say, shout your abortion, to say you should brag about your abortion. I'm going to get on a stage in front of all of Hollywood and brag about the fact that I've had several abortions in my life and they, in fact, make my life better. I mean, you're seeing this trend get kind of louder and louder. And to me, I think they should keep it up because I think even people who you're talking about, your friends, who are pro-choice, I think even people who are pro-choice look at that and go, oh, guys, I'm not comfortable with that. You know what? I can be on board with you guys saying that it's your right to choose, but when you start bragging about it and acting like it's something to be celebrated, I, I got to step back from the table. I can't tolerate it. I mean, that. I remember a time growing up, I'm 51 years old, where even the most staunch pro-choice advocate would say it's a terribly sad thing for the mother when she goes through this process of having an abortion. How there are those people that somehow celebrate the idea of death but they expose themselves, like you say, they expose themselves as, as really mentally ill is the only way to describe them. And, you know, you raised an interesting point when you said about they use terms like health care, which we know it's not health care. 
the, the same worst thing healthcare for ever. That's you know, the they case. used to say gun control. Right. Well, now they say gun safety measures. It's got nothing to do with gun safety, <laughs> but it sure as heck sounds good if you're a mom and you're uninformed or a dad and you're uninformed and you say, oh, well, gun safety, yeah, we all want that. Just like healthcare. Well, we all want women's healthcare, of course. Right. It's, it's, it's deception. I would like to think that them exposing themselves would lead to people kind of turning away from it, but I also worry that it creates a sort of normalization of it and desensitizes people, especially younger people coming up. To just true. It sets what's normal to them to say abortion is normal, abortion is a right. And the, when it becomes easier for somebody to say shout your abortion than it does to say that every life matters, when that becomes more socially acceptable, I, I mean, I think that's dangerous and I think that's hard momentum to turn around as a society. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, back in a minute. Yeah, thanks a lot, Aaron. There's no hope for pro-life. We just talked about uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, There are some other things going on in Michigan. We covered the protests earlier this week, happening this week, to reopen uh, Michigan. A lot of people not okay with Gretchen Whitmer's uh, just draconian executive orders to shut so many things down, and they were rising up. Uh, The View co-host Joy Behar had something to say about all of these Michigan protesters, you know, just protesting for their right to, oh, I don't know, make their money to feed their own families. Uh, Here is what Joy Behar had to say about these Michigan protesters. Well, I'd like to ask them if they're willing to sign away their right to treatment if and when they get infected. Are you going to say, okay, I don't need a ventilator because I thought I should go out and defy the governor's order? Okay? And, and I'd like to know if people are in states that are following the guidelines, like people like us in New York, can be sure that these people don't come here. I mean, they blocked an ambulance the other day. Can't they be charged and arrested for that? I understand the fact that, you know, they're they're upset because they can't get their veggies. But hello, we're talking about this disease being way more um, um, infecting and and worse than they even thought, you know? And and by the way, uh, they're watching Fox a little too much. They're watching Laura Ingram, um, who tweeted, time to get your freedom back. And that, and then the brilliant Janine Pirro, in early March, she was parroting Trump that the infection rate would drop as the weather warms. I mean, this is who they're listening to. So, again, do you, then will you say I won't get the treatment if I get the virus? That's my question. I wonder, yeah, go ahead. I, I wonder if she feels that way about the people who went to Mardi Gras in Louisiana or the people who went to spring break, or does that only apply to Michigan protesters who are trying to get their rights back? Or, or does it apply to uh, anyone who is overweight or obese do they do they now that they've done that to their own bodies if they go to the hospital for a treatment for a heart attack or anything like that right are we going to tell them no we're not going to give you treatment because you did it to yourself yeah and to the point of new york following the rules i mean i think there's a lot of evidence that a lot of people in new york were not following the guidelines that they should have been following so to say that new york is somehow the the gold standard of how doing things right and everybody else should be able to stay away from them that doesn't even make sense new york's an anomaly to what's going on across the country all right, so New York is, is under it. I feel sorry for those people there, but they're an anomaly. It's not what's happening across the rest of the country, and the mainstream media ought to wake up to this fact, and that includes Joy Behar. Mm-hmm. She, she is so ill-informed. The fact that she mentioned Judge Janine and Laura Ingram, I wish she mentioned you, Sarah, because it would be a huge endorsement to you on this program, just like it was to them. If she is slamming somebody, I know they're most likely on my side. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, it's so frustrating to me just to hear the overwhelming 
anti-American sentiment that she even just kind of disguised in what she's saying just to say, well, you, it's your, you have to obey this order. The governor spoke, and no matter what it is, it's your responsibility to obey it. And it's like, that's not what America was founded on. Do you know what she's saying there? She's saying, I hate you. I hate you because you supported Donald Trump. I hate you because you're waving an American flag. I hate you because you believe in the Bill of Rights. I hate you because you believe in the Constitution and you believe in freedom and liberty, which are terms she knows nothing about. She is very willing, as she just said, to just obey any stupid government order that may have either no effect or an ill effect on your life, but she's going to obey because the powers that be say, just go ahead and obey. That's not who we are in America. That's tyrannical. But she supports tyrannical behavior because she thinks her liberal leaders know better than all of us. And notice the condescension where she says, you just want your veggies. No, they want their jobs. They want to be able to like feed their families. Mm-hmm. The stakes are so much higher than the way that she tries to portray that. It's great ridiculous. Point. Yeah, no, it is a great point because, I mean, and again, there are a lot of Americans who understand principle. And, you know, maybe the, the principle is, yeah, you, you can't tell us that we can't work to get money to feed our families and then also tell us that we can't buy the seeds to grow our own vegetables to feed our families, right? It's like right. the principle is lost on them because all they're looking for is that big it, government. It's easy when you, when you can sit in your home studio and record your show and make your millions to look at people who are protesting for the right to just make a basic salary mm-hmm. to tell them that they're stupid for what they're doing and they don't even deserve to go to, go to the doctor if they get mm-hmm. treated. They don't have the same options as she does and she doesn't see that. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you see, Grant, do you see a Supreme Court ruling on all of these, all of these executive orders that are happening right now, do you see those taking place? After I'm all this? hoping that we get through this quick enough that we don't have to get to the Supreme Court. Um, the Supreme Court did rule on similar situations going all the way back to the smallpox, and we had that in the early 1900s, and, and said, "Look, you have a right to move about your country. You have a right to end." The government does have certain rights during disaster situations to put in, in, in place some restrictions, but they've got to be reasonable restrictions. And what's happening right now is when you can't buy seeds or they tell you you go to the grocery store and you can't buy certain items because the government deemed they're non-essential, that's not reasonable. And I think the Supreme Court would agree with me on that. And they're afraid of that, too, which is why I don't think they want to go to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Aaron, your thoughts? Last word. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the problem is the inconsistency of what's essential and non-essential as well. I yeah. mean, you're, you're talking about people protesting, and that's a problem, but you can go to liquor stores. You can do a, a number of other things that are not essential to society. You can get an abortion, right, you can get but an you abortion. can't buy vegetables. Right, and so what's essential, what's non-essential? And so to tell these people they can't protest for what they're protesting for, it's not consistent. Yeah. All right, back in a minute. Tito's essential. You know what? All right, yesterday's poll, uh, who should decide when quarantines should be lifted? Oh, that's good. The the majority of you got this one correct. 65% of you said state governors and uh, 36% of you said uh, President Trump, 35%. Uh, so, yeah, that's good to know because, you know, States have rights, and you know, you, you like President Trump now, but the next president who is in office after President Trump has four more years, you see what I did there, uh, you may not like what they determine, and that's why you live in your state. Can I just say, you know what the great thing about President Trump is? There's a lot of great things, but sometimes he does get things wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So the ultimate authority thing, he was going to, as a conservative, I really don't want my president. I would have blasted Obama for saying talks. ultimate authority, but here's what's great about President Trump. 
He goes back in and somebody talks to him and mm -hmm. says, Mr. President, you, this is why you can't. Oh, I understand. And he comes back and he walks it back. He's done this numerous times on things. You got to give the guy credit. How many politicians do you know actually correct themselves? Yeah. Not very many. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, all right. Today's poll. Who has been the most dishonest about COVID-19? All right. Here are your options. Are you ready? Okay. This is a tough one. The media, China, the World Health Organization, or President Trump. Now, I know we're going to cross President Trump off because that's, I'm sure that was just because they had an extra spot. That Is they there an option that says all of the first three choices oh, are yeah. one in the same? Only the first three. They're like all one of the entity above. at this point. I mean. It's so true. The media, China, World Health Organization. This will be great to, to see what to see the results in here. Because this is going to be one of your close ones. Usually yeah. it's not all that close. Yeah. This will be close. It's going to be either the, look, the, the World Health Organization, they're useless to me. So it's either going to be China or the media. And I think right now the media just continues it ongoing. I don't really care about China. I know they lie. So that, well, I know the media lies too. So. <laughs> it's hard. I'm, loss. I'm with you, Aaron. Yeah, all, all of, all of all the above, the except President Trump. Let us know what you think. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.